morning, church. I'm Darren McGrandall. For those of you who don't know me, <clears throat> one of your two elders here, along with Phil. And I want to talk to you today about our identity. I think we'd all agree that choices are important, but I'll bet we'd also agree they aren't always easy. During World War II, Winston Churchill was forced to make a very painful choice. The British Secret Service had broken the Nazi code, and they informed Churchill that the Germans were going to bomb Coventry. He had two alternatives. He could evacuate all the citizens of Coventry and save hundreds of lives, but it would be very clear to the Germans that their code had been broken. Or number two, he could take no action, which would kill hundreds, but potentially save tens of thousands. Churchill had to choose, and he followed the second course. Choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. In our family, we've been thinking a lot about choices and the importance of making good and healthy ones. The big choices in life are clearer in their consequences, who to marry, what career to pursue, that kind of thing. We sometimes see the devastating consequences of unhealthy choices when marriages are torn apart, lives destroyed, people imprisoned, even death can result from the choices that people make. But even the little choices can sometimes have powerful consequences. Consider for a moment the people who serve here in the church regularly. Something as simple as preparing our song presentation slides each week, week after week, year after year. There's many of those jobs that we do here in the church. And the fact that someone makes that choice for our church over and over again consistently blesses us. Like I said, in our family, we've been thinking about choice. And one of the common misconceptions that young people sometimes have is that they need to find themselves or figure out who they are. This search for identity presupposes that it is somehow lost. It must be found. However, the truth actually puts far more power in the hands of our young people. The truth is, we get to choose who we will be. Now, I'm not saying we can choose every aspect of who we are. We're each born with certain physical characteristics that are impossible for us to change outside of significant uh, surgical procedures. Those traits are part of who we are, and we can't choose to make those different. But when it comes to matter of character, we do get to choose who we are. And after all, our character is far more important than what the color of our skin is, or whether we're male or female. Listen to this, one of my favorite Bible passages from John, chapter 8, verses 31 through 36. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, they said, We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anybody. How can you say we will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. A slave has no part in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. 
So what is the difference between a slave and a free person? It can be summed up in a single word, choice. A free person is free to well, choose, right? You make your own choices. A slave does not. They have to do the will of their master. Now, we use words to describe slavery like dehumanizing, evil, for good reason. The choice, the ability to choose, is foundational to us as human beings. What Jesus is saying in this passage is that we, when we sin, can become slaves to sin. We can lose our choice. And that's what the enemy really wants from us. He wants us to be his slaves. But Galatians 5, chapter 1 says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Think about that for a moment. Christ came down and died so that we had a choice. That's why choice is the heart of another very important concept for us. As Christ followers, faith. So think about it for a minute. Faith is not the same thing as knowledge. And here is one of the key differences. Knowledge doesn't require a choice. Faith does. I choose to believe in Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Now some in the world scoff at that because they confuse faith and knowledge. They prove their misunderstanding by saying something like, how can you prove that Christ rose from the dead? Well, if I was basing my faith just on first-hand experience and knowledge, that might be a convincing argument. But the truth is, my faith in Christ is based on a choice. The Bible says Christ came here and died and rose again. God himself said it, and I choose to believe it. That choice isn't secondary to my faith, it's central to it. Choice is always at the heart of faith. After all, Jesus came here to give us the ability to freely make that choice. Little choices made over and over become a habit, and habits lived for long enough become incorporated into who we think we are. They become part of our identity. Let me say that a different way. Choices become habits. Habits becomes character. Kindness, for example, shown over and over, is what makes us into a kind person. The choice, as my wife taught me, to take a genuine interest in others, made over and over and over, is what makes us a caring person. Stealing from others, over and over and over, will make us a thief. Now the good news is, even though it might not feel like an identity right now, you always have the power to choose to become a different person. I'm not saying this is easy, but it is certainly possible. I have a lot of personal experience with this, and I'd be happy to talk with you about it in person if you want. After this but who we can become is defined by the choices that we make. So young adults, next time you think you have, think you have no power, think again. The next time you're feeling like you have no say-so, and you can't wait to move out and make all your own decisions, think again. You have great power right now. You have the power to make choices. I challenge you to make some good ones and just see what happens. Christ was faced with choices too. His choices also defined who he was, and he used his identity 
in powerful ways. Consider what might have been the lowest point in his ministry. In Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 36, we read, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here with me and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and he prayed that if it is possible that this hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Did you guys hear the agony in that choice in front of him? Look again at the last part of the passage. Yet not what I will, but what you will. That was Jesus' moment of choice. And he submitted to the will of his Father, not because he had to, but because he chose to. He chose the cross for you, for me. And the consequences of that choice mean we are reconciled to God. That choice of Jesus' has set us free, as we read about earlier, has turned us from slaves to free choosers once again. Thank you, Jesus. This leads me to the next part of what I want to talk about today. Surrender. Just as Jesus surrendered his will to that of the Father, so we too can live a life of surrender. In fact, surrender is one of the most important tips I want to give you guys this morning about living in freedom. Wait, living in freedom means I need to surrender? Sounds counterintuitive, doesn't it? Yes, but I have found, paradoxically, that nothing in my life gives me as much freedom as surrender. When I was in early recovery from sexual addiction, I had a sponsor. His name was Bob. I would come to Bob and complain about my struggles, and he would ask me a simple question. Did you surrender it? <laughs> I will admit that I didn't have any clue what he was talking about, and so I told him, no, I didn't surrender it. But Bob was persistent, and he kept asking me to surrender it. So finally, out of far more of a desire to appease Bob than because I thought it would do any good, I said, okay, I surrender it. Guess what? It didn't work. So I told that to Bob. I came back and said, Bob, that, that didn't work. He asked me a new question. He said, did you mean it? <laughs> did I mean it? Of course I didn't mean it. I thought this was a stupid idea to begin with, right? Why would I mean it? I mean, really, think about it. Is this some kind of magical incantation? I surrender it? Is that even a thing? I did not think this was a thing. But Bob kept encouraging me, and I finally came to a point where I said, hmm, I can keep believing the things I've always believed, and keep thinking the same way I've always thought about this, or 
I can realize that Bob has been in this a lot longer than I have, and he might just know something I don't know. So I could be a little bit humble, admit there may be more to this than I can see, and choose to follow him. And so I did. I sucked it up, I said a tiny prayer, and for the first thing in my life, I actually surrendered something to Jesus. <laughs> to my utter dumbfounded amazement, something happened. Now, words fail me when I try to describe this. I've tried many times. Some of you have heard this story before. You've heard me try and describe it, but I can't really fully describe this. I'm trained as an engineer, so right? So I like to fully analyze something, break it down into its component parts, fully analyze and understand each of the parts, and then you know, put together the sum of the whole. I can't do that with this. This doesn't make any kind of sense. But I can tell you, it works. Now, Christ is a gentleman. He won't force anything on me. Remember, he set us free. So he's not going to turn me into some kind of other slave. No, no. What he does is he takes it and gives me peace in return. And then I am perfectly free to go right back to it. If it's some kind of persistent thought, I've found I do this a lot. I'll go back to it again. My mind will return to it again. I've also found I can surrender it again, and again, and again, as long as it takes. Each time he takes it, each time he gives me peace, that peace that passes all understanding. Now, this was not an original thought of Bob's, by the way. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, that we can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And to me, that's what this passage has come to mean. God knows, after all, the real battle is not between, is not with flesh and blood, right? It's between our ears. Over the years, I've come to rely on this simple act of faith, surrender, because it is faith. As I just explained, I have no idea how it works. I've also found that it works in all aspects of life. There are so many things that are outside of my control. Maybe you ever feel that way? There's lots of things out of your control? Yeah. So much of my life I don't get to dictate, but I do have to live through. One recent giant example of this is how much I and my family suffered during COVID. I did a lot of surrendering in the hospital and afterwards. By the way, here's a pro tip for surrender, if you want to try it yourselves, which I encourage you to do so. Take a deep breath and let it out slowly while you surrender. What that does is it gets my body in tune with my spirit. So what can I surrender? Well, temptations for sure, wrong thoughts, a hard heart, even exhaustion to some extent, if that exhaustion is preventing me from connecting with someone important. He helps me in so many ways, and I want to encourage you to explore this inside your relationship with Jesus and see what he can do for you. All right, as I wrap up our time together, I hope you remember a few key things from what I shared. Choices can have powerful consequences. 
We're not all Winston Churchill, but all of us will affect others with our choices. Jesus himself faced difficult choices, and we're now reconciled to God because of the choice that he made in the garden. We can surrender our wrong choices to Jesus, and he will take them. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. The bottom line is this. Our choices will define who we are. Remember, choices become habits. Habits become character, and our character defines our identity. So, who do you want to be? I know my answer. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. <laughs>